Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. In October 2006, a lone gunman walked into a single-room schoolhouse in Pennsylvania and shot 10 Amish children, five of whom died, before he shot himself. The Amish community in which this suffered this tragedy amazed the world by almost immediately uh, publicly announced their forgiveness of the gunman and reached out to his family to console his family over the incident that happened. They were celebrated for offering a model of forgiveness to the world. Pastor Tim Keller, actually ex-pastor, he's retired now, who pastored in Manhattan, reports in a, a blog article that it was very shortly after that that there was a response from the Washington Post, an opinion piece by Stacey Patton, that uh, the headline was, Black America should stop forgiving white racists, and expounded on the destructive nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness, she claims, is destructive. Forgiveness is going out of fashion. We can see this in uh, what is being recognized or called cancel culture. Cancel culture is not uh, a censoring of things you think is appropriate. Cancel culture is deciding that somebody should not have a public voice, not just based on, we lost our lights. I forgive. (laughs) See what happens? It's not just based on what somebody is, has just done, but they're dredging up errors from the past and saying, because of this, you are now removed from the public sphere. Now, we're in a series called Justice, and we're making the claim that Jesus offers better tools to effect justice than our culture does. And today, the message is entitled, The Lost Art of Forgiveness. And we understand that at the core of the Jesus story is a message of forgiveness. Jesus went to the cross, and among his last words were, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. We talked about this last year, or last week, where Jesus absorbed evil. He absorbed injustice, and in the absorption of injustice, he forgave. This is a very difficult topic. And um, I would invite you to put your comments and questions on the YouTube chat if you're following along with that, or you can text me uh, to my phone number if you have uh, my cell number. See, the, the problem with forgiveness is it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. We are in a, a topic where we're discussing justice, but forgiveness itself is unjust. Why is that? I want to backtrack a little bit. Jesus said, when he contrasted himself with the, the religious leaders of the time, the influencers of the time, who, uh, who, who laid heavy loads of rules and expectations and burdens on people, Jesus, in contrast, said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. What's a yoke? A yoke is a piece of wood that people would put on their shoulders, uh, it would be form-fitted to your shoulders. There were two kinds. One would be, it would be a way to connect two animals that were pulling a plow or a heavy load. 
Another one, would, people would, 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 would put this piece of wood to, to hang buckets or heavy loads to distribute the weight. If you have to carry something heavy, you put on the yoke and you carry it that way because it, it evens out the load. It makes it easier to carry. There was also a, it's also a symbol. So in that culture, a yoke was understood. It was used as a symbol of an interpretation of the law. Uh, God had a, an agreement with his people, a covenant, and the terms of that agreement were the law. This is how you behave. This is how you demonstrate that you are my covenant people. And this is where Jesus uh, ran into trouble with some of the other religious leaders because he claimed that their yoke was difficult. It was heavy to bear. Too many rules. It was all rule-driven. And he says, my yoke, my interpretation of the law is light. It's an easy burden. You will find rest if you follow God, if you live out the covenant my way. That's what he's saying there. It's light. It's easy. But you know what's not light? You know what's not easy? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. And Jesus doesn't mint words because uh, a few chapters later in Matthew 18, Verses 21 and 22, he said, this is a conversation between him and one of his disciples. Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I mean, Peter's thinking pretty good here. I'm pretty forgiving if I'm going to forgive somebody seven times for the same thing. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You go to work, put your lunch in the fridge. Somebody steals your lunch. Jesus says, forgive them. They do it seven times. And Jesus says, forgive them. And at some point, you're going like, I've seen some very clever things where people would put like x lax in the chocolate chip cookies or whatever. Yeah, go ahead, steal my lunch, see what happens. Jesus says, forgive them 77 times. Not only forgive them 77 times, a few verses later, 13 verses later, he says, you must forgive them from your heart. That's... That's the real challenge, isn't it? Why is forgiveness so difficult? Forgiveness basically is, is eliminating or erasing the obligation of debt. If somebody owes you $100, you say, I erase that debt. You know why that's difficult? Because you no longer have $100. If you, when you forgive something, that means you incur the cost. When you forgive something, you incur the cost, you carry the burden, and that's not fair. It's not just. When I had just finished Bible college, um, I had the opportunity to work at a factory, and it was great because it was the last time, um, 1997, last time I had every evening off from work. It's great. You go in, you do your eight hours, and I mean, it was a menial job. You're, you're putting plastic through stamp machines and they would cut it and all of that. But it was also a little bit dangerous. There was a guy that went, a couple of guys at our church, a small church of 30 people that, that worked at the same job. And one of the guys almost lost his finger. He lost the end of his finger. And because of that, they implemented uh, safety barriers and safety regula regulations that they hadn't yet done, but they should have done. I mean, it's better these days than it was 100 years ago, because 100 years ago, I don't care, you lost, your, you lost your arm, you lost your leg, it doesn't matter. They didn't have unions and, you know, they were just starting to come up with those kinds of safety things. But imagine, imagine if the guy hadn't just lost his fingertip. It looks like we're having consistent lighting issues. Um, but they're coming back on, that's all that matters. So imagine if he had lost an entire finger. 
and he forgives the company. You know what he doesn't have? A finger. It's gone forever. Michelle was very concerned when I started working at that company because she was worried that I might lose a finger. And, and a finger is one thing, can't get it back, but what if you lose your job to an unjust situation? You can't get that back. What if you lose money to an unjust situation? You can't get that back. What if you lose a child? How do you forgive? It's one reason because forgiveness is going out of style that we don't so much see revenge and retaliation in our culture, but we're seeing an increase in lawsuits because I deserve to get mine because of what happened. Forgiveness is, at that level, you go, that's impossible. It's unjust. And yet, Jesus says, it's expected. It's essential. Last week, we talked about the, the, the paradox where ultimately God is working for complete justice and reconciliation. How does he make that happen? And, and we saw the illustration of Jesus on the cross absorbing evil, taking it on without retaliation because God, in his infinite love, breaks into our universe, a closed system. He breaks into that and overcomes evil with his love. An illustration of that model of the crucifixion becoming personal and real and today is forgiveness. Incurring the cost of evil. And so two things happen. First, at present, when you forgive somebody, that means you take the loss. And God from the inside out replenishes with his love. Now, I mean, it's not an equal trade necessarily, depending on your experience of love. If you end up with nine fingers and the love of God, you have the love of God and you have nine fingers. We incur loss, we receive God's love. But it's also to forgive is to trust that in the future, at the end of time, God will make everything right. At the end of time, God will make everything right. If I refuse to forgive, I'm saying I don't trust that. That's tough, that's a challenge. Why forgive beyond the fact that Jesus says you just have to do it? I mean, we've said for a long time, lately in our culture, that forgiveness is therapeutic. You lie awake at night at three o'clock in the morning, rehearsing the damage that someone else did to you while they're sleeping peacefully. Unforgiveness hurts you more than it hurts the person who hurt you. And so we help ourselves by forgiving. Now, I mean, at some point, yes, that's valid. It's also incredibly self-focused and self-centered. And so we don't just forgive for us. We forgive because it's a reflection of God's character. When Jesus was um, preaching to everybody, he said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he wasn't talking about morally perfect. It was the context of showing mercy to everybody. God shows mercy to everybody. God forgives everybody. And so when we forgive, we actually communicate who God is. We communicate who God is when we forgive. We give a, the world a picture of who he is. In that context of mercy, we interrupt the cycle of retaliation, which only leads to the destruction of humanity if it continues unchecked. The, the, the third thing, so we forgive because it's good for us. We forgive because it reflects God's character. And we also forgive because it furthers God's purpose. That's why he commands it. It maintains relationship. It maintains community. Without forgiveness, 
community falls apart. And we're going to talk more about community next week and the week after. It anticipates within the community God's future justice. Where within the community, and see, you see reconciliation within the community, it presents a picture of what God wants to do with all of creation. When we are willing to forgive, we allow God's love to come into us to recompense us for the loss that we have incurred. When we're willing to forgive, when we're unwilling to forgive, we actually obstruct our ability to receive God's love. That's why it's so essential. When we're unwilling to forgive, it's like we, we turn off the tap on being able to receive God's love. But then how do you do it? Because I've had situations where I've chosen to forgive somebody and the next day I don't feel like I forgive them, right? I don't know if you've ever felt that. Maybe it's just me. I'm just not as, as, as good as other people. Somebody's name comes up. See, even happened recently. Somebody's name comes up and all of a sudden I feel anxiety and tightness. Why? There's still something going on. Oh, I thought I forgave them. Well, I guess maybe I have to do it all over again. I don't know. How do you do it? Here's an indicator that maybe you haven't forgiven somebody is if they come, if that person comes up in conversation with somebody else and you rehearse the story of your own defense, you rehearse the story of the injustice you've suffered, maybe it's not even to somebody else, maybe you just do that in your head and you can't help but rehearse the story and you go, I just can't forgive this person because it just keeps coming up. How do you deal with that? The first thing is this. The first thing is you forgive as an act of will. You forgive as an act of will. I don't want to forgive this person. I wouldn't choose to forgive this person. I don't feel like I forgive this person, but I'm, I am going to choose to because God commanded it. And ultimately, when I trust him, good things will happen. When I, when I first decided to go to Bible college, this is what it looked like. I, I had a battle of will because I didn't want to go. I had a bad experience at university. I dropped out of university. I was not looking forward to any kind of post-secondary education. I felt God's pressure go to Bible college. And so I registered. That was an act of will. It was an act of trust. That was it. I just registered. Didn't go to class. No, I had to get up every morning and continue to act that out. I didn't just register for class. I had to get up in the morning and show up for class for three and a half years. It's not enough to make the act of will once. You have to follow through regularly. And, and even that, even that doesn't just cure your feelings because when you incur a loss, what happens is you, you receive a wound. And it might be a little bit of a wound, it might be a huge wound. If somebody rips you off of $10, it's not a very deep wound. But when you've gone through serious injustice, serious abuse, the wounds are deep and that's what impedes our ability to forgive because the wounds have not been healed. And so at that point, what you need is not just the act of will to forgive somebody, you need to go to God and ask for healing for that wound and that can take a while, it can take a process. It, th there can be a gap between the willingness to forgive and the experience of healing so that you are no longer wounded by the experience. We incur the loss, but we receive healing. It starts with an act of will, but the second step is to get healing from the Lord. So pay attention to your feelings. Our feelings deceive us, they lie to us. Feelings are not trustworthy, but feelings tell you that something is wrong, and when you take that feeling 
to the Lord and say, what's going on here? He may point out to you a wound that needs to be healed. When your wound is healed, then your feeling can follow the decision. When your wound is healed, the feeling can follow the decision. And then the third step is this, because part of the healing process, this is what Jesus says. He says, pray for your enemies. Pray blessing upon them. I mean, there's something that doesn't make sense. An enemy is somebody who's out to get you, somebody to do, who's out to destroy you, somebody who has maybe done something to hurt you. And Jesus says, pray for them, they would be blessed. That's where it gets difficult. Because again, losing $10 is not a big deal. But a serious offense, a serious injustice, and you're praying for this person? You can only do that by the power of God, who heals you, who fills you with his love. So it's not even you loving that person anymore, it's God loving through you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you a story. Um, and I've read this story before, but it's worth it. And the story is of a, a, a Dutch woman named Corrie Ten Boom. And she had, um, her family in World War II had hidden Jews and they were turned in by Nazi sympathizers. And her whole family was taken to a concentration camp in um, somewhere, Europe. And, uh, and they all died except for her. There's a loss. I mean, the, the concentration camp is an experience from hell. I said this earlier in the series. Um, humanity has an incredible ability to create hell on earth. And those concentration camps were one example of that. Once she got out, she was the only one in her family, she actually started homes to rehabilitate other former inmates of concentration camps, other people that had suffered through that. I believe the survival rate was one in 28. And she, she, she took people in who had survived concentration camps to, in order to heal wounds, to rebuild them. But not only did she strive to work with people that had survived concentration camps, she also worked to rehabilitate people that had been Nazi sympathizers that had turned in families like hers. And she tells a story near the end of her book, The Hiding Place. She, she was... She became well known as a speaker. She was traveling around speaking and she writes this in her book. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. I can't read the text right now. <laughs> now I can. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. Ravensbrück was the name of the concentration camp she was in. And we're talking about um, shower room doors. It doesn't just mean a shower room door all the time. It says, he was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. Betsy was her sister who died there. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people at Blumendal, that was her home in Holland where she was doing rehabilitation work, who had preached so often to the people in Blumendal the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Lord, uh, Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. 
As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. When we can't forgive, we need God's healing of the wounds, and we need his love to give us the ability to forgive when we can't. Now, there's a couple of qualifiers. We forgive seven times 70 or whatever, added up. I don't think any of us ever managed to beat that record. When necessary, reconcile. God brings about complete justice and reconciliation. But reconciliation is not always appropriate because reconciliation takes two sides. If you are in a situation where it is inappropriate to reconcile, then you don't. If your children have been abused by a family member, you protect your children, you don't reconcile with that person. If you've been in an abusive relationship, you, do, you are not required to reconcile with an abusive spouse who will not change. Here's an illustration of that. Jesus went to the cross to forgive all of mankind. I don't care how nice or how horrible a person you are, you're forgiven. We don't always realize this. The person you hate the most, we don't hate anybody, the person you hate the most, God has forgiven them. But whether they are reconciled to him is their choice. You are forgiven by God. Whether you are reconciled to him, that's your responsibility. And so forgiveness is what we do. Reconciliation also depends on the other person. That's the first qualifier. The second one is we don't avoid accountability measures. If you're walking along the sidewalk and a drunk driver comes up on the sidewalk and knocks you down, you can forgive that driver. Doesn't mean that they are permitted to keep driving. That's where accountability comes in. It is okay and sometimes necessary to hold people accountable so they don't do it to somebody else, so they don't reoffend. And so that's where, this is how it works in the world. We forgive, we reconcile in our church community, but there's also accountability. And we're going to talk in future messages about what our role is as a community of followers of Jesus in the world to call out justice, to work towards justice, because we have a responsibility to that. So I want to challenge you today. Maybe I've been talking and a name has popped into your head. Some of those old feelings have popped into your head. Is there somebody you need to forgive? Maybe it's a parent that was absent or worse, abusive. Or maybe it's a parent that was negligent through no fault of their own. Maybe there were reasons, but you still have those feelings. Forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive a spouse that has betrayed you, or a friend that didn't meet your expectations, or a stranger that devastated your life. And typically, I mean, before we, did, we, we were doing COVID lockdowns, we would typically have prayer after the service. And um, today I want to invite you after the service, whether you're at home or whether you're here in person, 
to just do that business with God. I don't feel like it, but I'm willing to forgive. I have wounds that I need healing. Give me more, your love for that person. Pray a blessing for that person. Because that will, that will give you, it will release God's love into your life. And maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching online, and maybe you've recognized for the first time that you are forgiven by God, but you haven't reconciled to him. You are not in a relationship with him. And I want to invite you today to step into that relationship. It's as simple as ABC. It, the first A is admit. I need to know and experience your forgiveness. I need to be reconciled with you. B is believe. Believe is, is the, the act of trust that through Jesus' death, through Jesus' resurrection, you have access to the God who made you to love you. And C is to commit your life to him. To, to turn your back on your old life and live the life that Jesus has for you. And if this is a decision that you need to make today, and if you haven't made it, you do need to make it. I want to, I want to lead you in a prayer. Make these words yours. Father, I thank you that you made me to love you. I thank you that you have offered forgiveness free of charge so that I can be reconciled to you. And I am choosing to trust today that Jesus bought that for me through his death and resurrection. I'm choosing to commit my life to you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. And if this is something that uh, you are doing today for the first time, if you've prayed that for the first time, connect with us at Crosslands Church. Go to crosslands.live and click the Follow Jesus button um, on your smart device, computer, or whatever, because we want to connect with you. We want to help you with further steps of what it means to live out this life. How do we commit? How do we get healing? All of that stuff. How do we move forward as a new follower of Jesus? I think I might have a text message or two. Uh, sincere forgiveness when no one else cares is such a huge burden. Please pray that God will give me the strength. I will, and we'll pray to that end, at the end. Um, uh, this one is kind of personal, so I don't... Okay, so here, here's one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase this because it's kind of personal. Um, a constant problem to forgive somebody, is that a sin... Uh, I know it does mean I won't go to heaven. We, here, here's one thing that we do wrong as followers of Jesus. We think that there's a list of sins that uh, we have to take care of to buy our entrance into heaven. As if heaven is the prize and sin is the obstacle. Our prize is relationship with God. Now, that's for eternity. Jesus has overcome every sin what happens when we, when we won't give up something is we impede our relationship with God. What does that mean for your eternity? I mean, ultimately, that's up to him. But we count on Jesus' sacrifice. It covers all of our sins. There are, there are things in my life, say, when I was uh, 40, I became aware of something in my life that was not pleasing to God that I was not aware of when I was 20. Well, does that mean that if I was hit by a bus when I was 20, I was screwed? No. Jesus' love covers it all. What we need to do is step into the health of what it means to do it God's way. And as a follow-up, uh, my wound still feels fresh after all these years, but I'm working on it in therapy. Does that count? Absolutely. I'm working on it. Um, ultimately, 
we can deal with wounds in therapy, and therapy can be necessary, but God can heal wounds in a way that therapy can't. And so again, if I'm unwilling to forgive, I block that healing from happening. But if I, if I am at least willing, to, okay, I am, I'm at least willing to be made willing to forgive because it's too hard. It's just too hard. God, I'm willing to be made willing to forgive. Give me that ability and give me the healing of these wounds that still feel fresh. And I mean, that's deep. I don't know if you've experienced anything that deep. I know I have, maybe not to the extent of this person. It's really tough. But the first step is I'm willing to be made willing and, and allow God's love to come in. And, and this is not light. This is not easy. I said that at the beginning. Forgiveness is impossible because it's unjust. And when we, when we forgive, we bear the cost Maybe not to the same extent, but in the same way that Jesus bore the cost of evil on the cross. I want to close today by sharing a, a text message that came in last week um, towards the end of the service, and I didn't get around to it. But it, it speaks to the same idea of, of God's love overcoming evil. And it's, it's, um, somebody texted a, a passage from Scripture, Ephesians 3, 16 to 21. says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Forgiveness is unjust. It's impossible. But God makes it possible because his love is infinite. When it comes to his justice, we wait for his final judgment. But in the meantime, we participate in the path of the cross. We participate in the absorbing of evil by forgiving those even when they do not deserve to be forgiven. That's what the Father does. That's what our God does. And so that's what we do. We bear the cost. And in the bearing of the cost, we were replenished by God's love. He fills us up with his love to the point where it's beyond understanding. People look at us and say, I don't understand how you can do that. Yes, because you don't understand the experience of God's love that I have. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. But we, we, we experience God as we participate with him in this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a forgiving God, that you forgive each one of us. And Lord, we acknowledge that it is so difficult to forgive, especially when the wounds are deep, when the wounds have been there for a long time. Father, give us a taste of your love. Give us a taste of the promise of freedom from unforgiveness. Make us willing even when we find it too difficult. Take us one step at a time as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus who absorbed evil. 
fill us with your love, heal our wounds, give us the ability to follow in Jesus' footsteps in forgiveness. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.